Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, Stephen Talbert. Stephen, how are you doing tonight? What's going on, Chris? It's good to be back with you, buddy. It's been, you know, it's been a good week since we last talked. The Braves have been, you know, they've been playing well. Uh, today was kind of disappointing, but, you know, that's just part of it. Um, you're not going to win every game. It's baseball. But overall, you know, the wins have been nice. I don't think the team is playing, you know, probably it's a game right now i think there's probably a couple of areas where they would like to be playing better than they are but there's still some time to fix it before we head into october so yeah it was uh it was it was a strange series couple i mean these games were they were kind of they were kind of uneventful honestly and you know they made five errors in latin on tuesday and wednesday combined you know base run and that's not counting the base running blunders uh that i'm sure we could talk about uh at length but you know I mean, if it's not the Nationals, you know, you're probably looking at a serious loss. Uh, but I think it's important to keep perspective. You know, it's they're not going to win them all. And, I mean, they've got a road trip coming up here with the the Phillies and the Nationals, and they're probably not going to win all those either. Um, you know, it's just that's that's just the nature of the game. Uh, luckily, the Mets lost today, so they're still dead even in the, in the loss column. But, you know, it just feels like his offense is sputtering right now a little bit. You know, they got the two runs early. I thought they were going to put them away. And then um, uh, Espino, you know, I think he retired seven straight before he walked Vaughn Grissom, you know, right there in the in the fourth, I think. Fourth, fifth in in there. And, um, you know, for, for a team that lost uh, Patrick Corbin after two batters the day before, yeah, it just kind of let them off the hook. Uh, you know, that bullpen was taxed and uh, just couldn't get anything going. You know, had their opportunities, so it's kind of it's kind of disappointing. But you know, like you said, a five and one homestand, you can't can't argue with that. Um, so you know, it's it's just you just hate it because that's the that's the day the Mets lost. You know, so it'd been nice to have made up a little bit of ground. Yeah, and you do have to take it in perspective. They went, you know, they went five and one. So on the homestand, so you take five and one every homestand, and you'll be fine. But you know, if you if you kind of go away from the wins and losses and look at how the team's playing, I, I do think there's room for improvement. I think uh, the lineup is struggling to really, you know, Snit calls it keep the line moving, just you know stacking hits, and there's a couple of spots, especially in the middle of the order. You know, Riley and and Olson. Are, are kind of struggling right now. And, you know, when the two big guys in the middle of your order are both struggling at the same time, it, it, it really is tough to 
to stack big innings together. And, you know, the Braves were playing the Nationals, so it really didn't bite them too bad, and they were still able to win the series. But, yeah, uh, better a competition in that probably would have been a series lost this weekend. So you definitely want to see those guys get back to it, especially Olsen. You know, Matt's had a really, really rough September, uh, if we're being honest about it. And so, you know, he needs to find it again. Riley needs to get hot again. You know, the good news in this homestand is we did start to see Acuna come around and look more like himself. He had another two hits today, so, you know, that's good to see. Um, he's been playing outfield more, which helps get Contreras in the lineup, even when he's not catching, which which always helps. So, And the kids are still playing well. So you just got to get kind of your big guys going, and I think the offense will start looking like we kind of expect it to look. Today notwithstanding, you know, I thought I thought I saw better at bats from Matt Olson. Um, you know, I know he's it's like he's just missing, you know, some of those pop ups and whatnot, but he had, you know, he squared up some balls that just went foul during this homestand. I felt like he's close. I think the biggest thing that uh um, we were talking about this a little earlier today, uh, on on Slack, but uh, you know, I've been more surprised about his defense than I have been, you know, his offense. I, I feel like he's going to come out of his offensive uh, slump, and, and you know, and he, we saw early on just how good he can be. Um, but, you know, the defense, is, the defense is something. He had that error, um, you know, Tuesday's in the ninth inning, and then, um, you know, they had another one today. Uh, I know errors are not the end-all, be-all. You know, you, you look at the rest of the defensive metrics, and, you know, he's had some nice plays over there. But that was one of the things, you know, when we, when the Braves signed, uh, traded for him, you know, you you, taught, you heard all this about how he was the – how good defensively he was and, you know, how he was uh, regarded as one of the better defensive first basemen. But, you know, I would – I think he would admit as well that, you know, that's not been – that's not been a strong suit uh, for th this season. Um, so, you know, that, that part's a little interesting. I wonder if some of those offensive struggles have carried into the field a little bit. But, you know, I, I mean, it's just, it, you know, baseball's funny like that sometimes. But, um, you know, the whole team was sloppy the last two days. I mean, you can't commit five errors. And uh, you're lucky to come out of that winning one, one going one and one uh, when you commit five errors in two days. Yeah, and – you know, we know this because we've seen it year after year, but, you know, people are much, much quicker to forgive your defensive struggles when you're hitting the way you're supposed to, right? And that's, I mean, that could probably, you probably can't find a better example of that than Austin Riley, right? I mean, he's not a great defensive third baseman. That's a whole debate that gets people really upset online, but, I mean, objectively, Austin's not a great defensive third baseman, but, you know, Austin's got a one- 40-something WRC plus this year, right? And so it's it's a lot less of a big deal when you're hitting the way you're supposed to. And and listen, that's what they get. They signed Olsen to hit. They I don't really care what the metric said about his defense. You know, uh, they they put him, they, they traded for him for that bat. And, you know, the defense is going to come and go. Um, I do think he'll have a better year next year. I do think the offensive struggles play into the defense. I think probably his two worst defensive stretches have come – during his two worst offensive stretches, and it's, it's probably not a coincidence. So I, I do think, because he knows, he knows that he's being paid for the bat. He, you know, he's supposed to sit in the middle of the lineup and drive in runs, and he knows that, and and so he's definitely taking it out into the field with him. But and it's it also builds on itself, right? You make a few errors, it gets in your head. You start thinking about it way more than you should. You start 
pressing on every ground ball or every ball thrown to you, and it just kind of snowballs. And so I think this whole year is probably a little bit of that, especially with the kind of year that Freddie Freeman's having in, in L.A. And, um, you know, it's a lot of pressure on Matt to, to, to really perform. You know, everybody's comparing him to Freddie, which is, you know, completely unfair, but that's the, that's the deal. And so next year it won't be quite as bad. So I, and the Braves are winning, right? So it's, it's, it's not as big a deal if the Braves were, you know, at 500 and, and barely trying to hang on to a, a playoff spot, then it would be a much bigger deal. But the Braves are going to win 100 games this year, so it's not, it's not as big a deal. But you definitely need those two guys to get going again. I mean, they need, they need their big bats in the middle of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, we were looking at this, um, you know, in the second half. I mean, they've, for the most part, Austin uh, Riley and uh, Matt Olson both have struggled. And, you know, they've, I think they were something like 37 and 17 or something. But I think it just, it just speaks to just how good this team can be, you know, when, if, if they can ever get everybody clicking, you know. And I mean, we haven't seen that patented Ronald Acuna Jr. tear yet either. Um, you know, I think this can be a, a really scary offense. You know, if they can just if they can just get themselves together heading into the postseason. Um, you know, speaking of that, uh, they're headed out now on a seven game road trip with the Phillies, four with the Phillies, and uh, three with the Nationals. Um, Phillies have lost, I think, had lost five in a row coming into the uh, Wednesday. I'm not sure what they've done today. I haven't checked. Um, they're struggling a little bit, but that's not going to be an easy series. It looks like the Braves are going to miss uh, Zach Wheeler uh, in there, but you know they need to take care of business up there and um, and do the same in Washington, and that's going to set the stage for arguably the series of the year. I mean, in, in my opinion, the kind of the way I'm I'm thinking of this Met series at home is is kind of a, a you know it's kind of a playoff series in its own self. Um, yeah, what's if if things stay like it, as they are right now, you know, um, Braves Braves need to win that series to uh, or really if it's they enter it, uh, game down, Mets have the tiebreaker. So, you know, it's very important. Um, we saw some of the uh, result. Uh, I think some of the positioning for things. Uh, Snicker said uh, Tuesday that. Uh, they were going to push Max Freed back a day. Bryce Elder started today and pitched well. But they said that Spencer Strider had a little bit of uh, oblique soreness, said it was not, stressed that it wasn't anything serious. They weren't putting him on the injured list. Um, but they were going to skip a turn. And, you know, I think my takeaway from that was this, this a couple of things. He probably does have a little bit of soreness. Uh, this is a way of, you know, holding down those uh, innings a little bit. They had a good chance to put Elder in there today against a, you know, a not to not a not to slight Elder, but you know, against a, a lesser competition than you know one of uh, the top of the division teams. And uh, now they've got the ability, as long as Strider gets is healthy, they could drop Strider in wherever. You know, they could pitch him early in that Washington series and have him for the Mets series. Or they could just hold him back to the Mets series if they, if that's the way they want to go. I think the interesting thing was it, it just added flexibility. It's not – if you projected the rotation out the rest of the way, it was going to be um, – I can't remember the order, but it was going to be uh, Wright, Morton, and Freed in that Mets series. So now uh, by – skipping Strider this start they'll have the flexibility to drop him in there if they want to so it's not a situation where they're going to need a fifth starter in the middle of that series um so you know what's big big coming up you know what 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 direction would you go with the with the rotation for uh the Mets back at home we were talking online yesterday and 
you know, it, it kind of became very clear that if they just pushed Max Freed, you know, off of today's start and into the Philly start, that that would set him up to pitch in the Mets series. It would set him up to pitch potentially in a wild card series, a game one of a wild card series. You know, if they had to, if, if things didn't go their way against the Mets and they had to play in the wild card, then pushing Max back one day allowed him to pitch in that Mets series and allowed him to potentially pitch a game one of the wild card. So it was kind of a no-brainer, and that's what they did. They announced that yesterday, that, that Max was going to pitch tomorrow instead of today. And, you know, that's obviously smart. The Mets are doing the same thing. DeGrom and Scherzer are obviously lined up to, to pitch in, in Atlanta. So you have to throw your best. And, you know, now that they've made that move, both Max and Strider are going to pitch in the Mets series, and, and then they, they're both kind of set up to to pitch in the wild card round if they have to. And, you know, if you're a Braves fan, that's really the most you can ask for. You just you need your best two guys pitching, and Max and, and Strider have been the best two guys this year far and away. I mean, clear of, clear of the field pretty easily. So that's what they did. That's what I would do. I don't have any problem with it. I think Wright, I think as it currently set up, Wright is going to pitch the third game of the Mets series. But I was looking at it today. Technically, Morton could pitch in that series on regular rest if they wanted him to. So they'll actually have the option of using Max Strider and or you know Wright or Morton. So you know they have it lined up exactly the way they want, and then they can do the same thing for the wild card round. You know, like we said, if if things don't go their way and they do end up having to, to play the wild card round, they can do the same thing. So you know. They've they've got it lined up. You know that's all you can do is get your best guys lined up to play in the biggest games. And and you know I don't think there's any doubt about it. This Mets series is the biggest series of the year. It's it's probably literally going to decide who wins the division. So um, and it's important to note. You just mentioned it, but the Braves are currently losing the head-to-head matchup nine to seven. So they have to win all three games to to win the tiebreaker, and that's a big deal because there's no. You know, MLB did away with game 163s. They they don't they don't break division ties with 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 games anymore. They use tiebreakers and the 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 only tiebreaker is head to head. So the Braves are going to need to sweep the Mets to win the tiebreaker and you know, that's a big deal. If you only have to be tied to win the division, then you know, that's essentially an extra game. So um, it's going to be a huge series and the Braves and the Mets have both of their horses lined up to pitch it. You know, I think it's important. Like I said, I mentioned, you know, keeping perspective uh, a little while ago. But, you know, I think it's important to recognize just how good this Mets team's played, uh, you know, all season pretty much. I mean, it looked like they might might be fixing a swoon a little bit when they got swept by the Cubs there. But, you know, they've come back in this – in just in the, even in this Milwaukee series, they were down four to nothing yesterday and then, you know, came roaring back uh, late in that game and won. You know, I've been uh, skeptical of that offense, whether they can sustain it, you know, maybe in the postseason, kind of the way they've they've relied on. They don't have quite as much power. They've got power, but they don't have quite as much as some of these other teams. But, you know, I mean, they're a solid club. Uh, and when you can line up DeGrom and Scherzer, you know, that's that's going to be a that's going to be a, a tall task for any team. Um, you know the rest of their rest of their rotation doesn't scare you quite as much, uh, but and the bullpen's the same way. But when you get to you got Diaz sitting down there, 
you know, I mean, if they've got a lead going into the eighth, you know, Buck Showalter's already shown that he'll throw Diaz for two uh, two innings if he needs to. So, you know, it's going to be tough. Um, but, uh, again, it's going to be a, a great series and a great um, postseason tune-up. And, uh, you know, you, you've got to take care of business on this road trip, though. You know, I think it's – you know, you've kind of got to get that mindset about it. And I just – you know, I know – I don't know. It feels like uh, – Watching them the last two or three days, I don't want to call them tired, but it seems like, uh, you know, it, it, there wasn't a whole lot of fire there. It didn't look like, you know, and that was one of the disappointing things about losing Ozzy Albies because when Albies came back that night, it was like, it looked like he energized them a little bit, and then you know that was kind of carried into the the next day, and then of course he he suffered the uh, the broken finger and uh, is going to miss the rest of the regular season. So I think that that hurt them, but I, you know, I think you'll you're gonna they're coming in. They're coming into this uh, towards the final stretch of this uh, of this regular season, and I think they're going to get themselves back together um, here pretty quickly. And they're and they're going to need to. Like I said, Phillies are fighting for a, a wild card spot. The Mets have helped them out all week, beating up on the Brewers. But uh, you know, Philly Philly's been struggling, so you know those games are critically important for them uh, to try to hold on to a playoff spot. And the Braves. You know the Braves can struggle sometimes playing up in Philadelphia. You know they've they've started a couple seasons in Philadelphia and and I think gotten swept both times. You know they don't really play well there, uh, especially early in the season. Obviously it's September, so it's a little bit different. But yeah, you can't you can't look past it. You can't already be thinking about the Mets series, even though we're talking about it. You know if you go up and get swept in Philadelphia and, and the Mets keep taking care of business, then that Mets series isn't going to matter much. So you really you really do have to keep focused. You know, it's the, the Phillies get to miss Strider, which is good for them. But, you know, the flip side is they get Max, and they weren't originally supposed to get Max. So that's going to help. But the offense needs to show up. I mean, it's a small ballpark. You know, runs get scored. The Mets or the Phillies offense is, is getting healthy a little bit against Toronto. They got – they lost yesterday, but they lost like – 18 to 12 or something like that something ridiculous but you know they're they're they usually score some runs against the Braves you know they've still got Schwarber they still got Bryce Harper so that's a very important series to keep the momentum um I think the Mets are in Oakland at the same time that the Braves are playing the Phillies so you know Oakland's a tough place to play the Braves had two really close games up there um a couple weeks ago so Hopefully the A's can help us out a little bit, but I wouldn't expect too much. The Braves just need to win. They need to keep winning. You know, it'd be great to take three or four. It's tough to do that against. You know, if the Phillies are, they're not a good, they're not a great team, but they're still a good team. They're they're a playoff team at least. So you need to try to at least take three or four if you can, because you know the Mets are probably going to do the same in Oakland and and keep the pressure on. That's all you have to do is just keep the pressure on. Keep the keep the the race close enough to that to where that last head-to-head series can change the outcome, right? You don't want to get to the point where even if you sweep the Mets, you're still not in first. You, you want to keep it close enough where you can flip the division in that series, and that's going to keep the pressure on the Mets. And, you know, listen, that New York media is tough. You know, they, they've they heard all season how they were going to run away with the division, and, and the Braves have just played absurd baseball. I mean, I think Scott had a stat last night. The Braves are like 70 and 28, you know, in their last 98 games. I guess 70 and 29 now, now that they lost today. But still, 70 and 29, basically over 100 games is, I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's absurd. That's crazy, 
crazy high-level baseball. So, um, you know, that's why the Mets are in this position where they're still fighting for their lives to win this division. They didn't collapse. This has not been a typical Mets collapse. This is the Braves just playing absurd baseball for what's basically four months. So, um, but yeah, just keep the pressure on. Keep it close. Keep it close enough to where that last series can change things and. You know, then you then you control it. Then then it's all in your hands. So, uh, but yeah, big series coming up in Philadelphia. Yeah, and it's it's also uh, important to to note that you know the Braves are a game back, but they're dead even in the loss column. So I know it seems here lately that every time the Braves win, the Mets win, and every time they lose, the Mets lose. But the Braves are going to get a chance to make that game up. Uh, you know, on, on days that the Mets aren't even playing. So you know, there's a chance they can come into that series at home with the with the thing tied up and uh you know and that's like i said uh, to me that's the that's the pre-wild card series because the winner the winner obviously there's three games still left in miami and that can present its own its own set of problems but uh you know i think you and i'll talk about that maybe uh right after the met series that week of the met series but um you know so it won't be over but you know whoever comes out of that met series is going to be in the driver's seat and uh, as long as as long as neither team falls on their face you know in, in this coming week so it's going to be interesting to watch support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another thing to consider in this uh, in this divisional race, you know, I've seen the Braves have already clinched a spot in the postseason. They've all but locked up the top wild card spot. I mean, it's an, they've got an absurd lead over the over the Padres and the Phillies, who are, are you know are fighting it out for the for the next two spots. Um, but there is a reason, you know, to run down the division, uh, be in pursuit of the division title, not just because they've won it four straight times. Um, there's some seeding in that. The who with the new playoff format, uh, whoever wins this division will get a buy in the first round. Won't have to play in the wild card round. But what I think, what jumps out to me, and what's significant is, um, you know, they would be on the other side of the bracket from the Dodgers. So if if the Braves can win the division, the Mets would have to go through Los Angeles and Atlanta to win to win the division. Obviously, if the Mets win it, then the Braves would be in that spot. They'd have to go through the Dodgers and then have to beat the Mets on the other side. Obviously, anything can happen. You know, we saw that last year with the with the run the Atlanta had. But you know, I think that's why 
a lot, you know, rather than just sitting back and, and trying to line this thing up, I think the Braves really have that incentive to, you know, to try to chase that first, that first round by, um, so you know what you what was your thinking on the on the p- playoff position because that was that was pretty interesting when you've got three good teams what I consider uh, uh, you know a little step ahead of everybody else no offense to the Cardinals uh, but you know two of those teams are going to end up on the same side of the bracket I mean that's just the way it works. Yep, we're in year one of a new format. Obviously, they added an extra wild card and. You know, when you add an extra wild, when you add one team, then you have to ch- completely change the format. So they went kind of with the NFL format of of the top two seeds get buys, and then there's a wild card round. And so that's where, you know, that's the reality, you know, now that wasn't before. Um, but I, I, winning the division is obviously like, it's obviously the most crucial part of this new format, getting that buy, not having to play in the wild card round. You know, anything can happen in, in a three-game wild card round. Now, the Braves will get home field advantage because they, they will be, you know, the way it's currently set up. Essentially, the the Cardinals would be the three seed because they're the third division winner. Whoever doesn't win the division in the NL East will be the four seed as the top wild card. And then right now it looks like the Phillies and the Padres are going to be in some order um, at the the fifth and sixth spots, the last two wild card spots. The, the Brewers are still technically in there, and you know we've seen the Phillies collapse before, so the Brewers could definitely get that last spot. But right now, at least, it looks like it's going to be the Dodgers, the winner of the NL East, the Cardinals, the loser of the NL East, and then the Padres and the Phillies. So that would mean the Braves would be the fourth seed, and so they would play the fifth seed in the wild card round if they did not win the division. Um, and so. Because they're the higher seed, they would get home field advantage. So they would all three games would be at Truist Park if that was the case. But even with that said, you don't want to be in that wild card round. You do not want to have to win two out of three against, you know, the Dodger or the uh, Padres lineup, or you know, you don't want to have to win two out of three against Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, just to extend your season while the Mets get a get a buy and get into the next round for free. So. That's obviously the incentive to keep winning. You know, if if that weren't the case, the Braves could kind of just kind of roll up shop and, and, you know, start resting guys and, and kind of get ready for the postseason. But the incentive is just too great to win the division, which is good. I mean, that you know, I don't love expanded playoffs for other reasons than that. But, you know, incentivizing teams, especially teams that have already locked up postseason spots, to continue to have to play their best players, their pitch their best pitchers, still try to win. I mean, that's good. You know, it, it makes the regular season more important, and that's good. Baseball should have the most important regular season because they have the longest regular season. So um, that part of expanded playoffs I think is good. But it does kind of stink for the Braves because, you know, they're the third best team pretty easily this year and maybe the second best team but before it's all said and done. But with this new format – you know, the top two teams are the ones that get the most benefits. So, um, but it's definitely, it's, the incentive is, there's no doubt. I mean, you, you go all out to win the division in this new format. You're crazy not to. Um, and we know that because the Cardinals are, are far enough behind that whoever wins that, whoever ends up winning the NL East is going to get a buy. And that's just, that's too big to pass up. You know, I think another thing that's interesting to point out is, uh, you know, the se- regular season wraps up on October 5th. Uh, the Braves are in Miami for that last that last series. 
And then the wild card actually starts on October 7th. So there's only one day off, uh, uh, essentially. And while all three of those games would be in Atlanta, you know, there's not much uh, – you, you have to win two of those three. If you advance, mm-hmm. then it's a best of five. And you really don't want to be playing a team like the Dodgers um, – you know, in in a best of five, whether it's the Braves or the Mets, either one, neither one of those teams would want to be want to play match up with Los Angeles in that short series. I wouldn't think so. And and the interesting thing is the the wild card can end up on October 9th. There's one off day, and then the NLDS starts. So there's not going to be a whole lot of opportunities to, you know, to set your pitch and staff and um, you know uh, manipulate anything if you don't win the division because you're just going to keep playing. And that's you know that's pretty much that's pretty much how it's going to be, uh, you know. Hopefully, some in that Miami series, you know, that w- would allow the Braves to to juggle some things. If uh, you know, if the, especially if uh, uh, obviously if the division uh, that series with the Mets doesn't go the way you want it, you know, they could probably they could set their pitching then. But you know, if they win that Mets series, you know, those games in Miami are going to be important. So you're just going to be just going to be playing it out you know for uh, the most part so yeah I thought it was interesting the way this came out with no with no more off days than what they were between rounds Um, I don't necessarily uh, hate it or anything but you know a lot of this stuff is just like that last Miami series all this is result of the lockout the the compacted expanded you know not only do we uh, uh, expand the postseason we contracted it a little bit too in, in terms of days to try to fit everything in so you know this will look a little bit different next year and going forward but uh, you know it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting an interesting situation uh, especially when you consider you know there's still a division race going on and not only are there fewer days off in between playoff series but there's actually fewer days off within playoff series too. Uh, they came out a couple of weeks ago and, and there's very, very limited days off. I think there's only like one day off, one or two days off in the entire uh, championship series as well. So, yeah. you know, and part of that, you're right, is because of the lockout. Obviously, the season got pushed back two weeks. They had to do a bunch of doubleheaders to get the whole season in and, you know, they have to cut some off days in the playoffs to to facilitate everything but yeah you know if you have to if you have to fight and claw your way with uh the phillies uh, there was a beat writer for the phillies talking about this about how philly philadelphia might have to pitch wheeler and nola in the last two games of the season just to make the playoffs and just to make the wild card round which means neither guy would really be set up to pitch in the wild card round itself which would obviously be a disaster for philadelphia but you know that's the reality. If if you don't have a playoff spot locked up, because there's so little time between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs, if you have to pitch your guys, your best guys, all the way to the end, you know they might not, they might not even get the pitch in the first round. I mean that's how close everything is. If they have to pitch, if your best guys have to pitch, you know if you have to throw Zach Wheeler on the last day of the season, which is a Wednesday. Then he's not going to be available to unless you throw him on short rest. He's not going to be available to pitch on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So um, it's definitely going to be interesting how 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 hard guys or how hard teams have to fight to get into the postseason and what that what that does with the matchups. Just so I know, we're still weeks out, a couple of weeks out, and it's uh, you know a lot of things can happen between now and then. You know, we're hoping that there's nothing 
you know, that, that they're they're telling the truth. There's nothing, you know, serious with Spencer Strider. And I really do feel like it's just a, hey, let's just, you know, he's a little sore. Let's just give him some time. But let's just say uh, you get in that first series, whether it's the wild card or where it, whether it's the NLDS, give me your uh, give me your first three brave starters. If it's the wild card round and you only get three games, then I go Max Strider. <sighs> um this is this is the hard one. Um, you know, I would probably go Morton just because I trust his experience a little bit more. You know, he was so massive for the Braves last year, and he hasn't had a, a great season. Kyle Wright's definitely had the better season than him. But, you know, I don't know. Though. I could probably be talked into Kyle Wright too just because of how well he pitched in the World Series last year. But I, I think I'd still take Morton. I think the team would take Morton just for his experience and, and have Kyle as kind of an emergency. You could probably piggyback those two if it was a wild card round. You know, if you split the first two games and it's a must win, and obviously if it's the wild card round, the only way you can get to a third game is if it's a must win. But, you know, I, I could see a scenario where they pitch both those guys. So, um, But I think I would go, if it was me, if it was up to me and it was the wild card round, I would go Max, Strider, Morton for the for those three games. Um, and if it's the NLDS, I might change that up a little bit, but depending on the opponent, but I think I would still go Max Strider Morton if it was up to me. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. I think what if there's wild card, I think I would go Freed, Strider, and then Wright. Because what I would be obviously game three, all hands would be on deck. I don't you know, and I, I wouldn't expect them to name their starter for game three until the day before, honestly. Uh, you know, if they were if it was a must if it come down to that. But uh, my thinking would be I would rather have Charlie and his experience open on the road in the NLDS, um, you know, against the Dodgers than I probably would Kyle Wright. But, again, you got to win that first round or it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, if they win the division and they start in the NLDS, then it's interesting. I think it's going to be really – I mean, we've been talking about it now uh, for the last couple of weeks, but where Strider uh, slots in is going to be – it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I consider him – I mean, you could make the case he should start game one, honestly. I mean, if not for Freed's uh, uh, experience. I mean, you could still make that argument that he's already, he's been their best starter. And that's saying a lot considering the seasons that Freed and, um, and Wright have had. Um, so, I, it's going to be interesting to see if, if they do that. I mean, part of me – part of me worries that we're going to see – we might see uh, Freed – Wright and Morton or Freed Morton and Wright and I don't you know I, I don't I'm not worried as much about that now as I was but you know yeah, I mean we've seen you know I remember uh, I remember a few years ago Mike Soroka only got one start in NLDS and uh, you know I'm still I guess I'm still scarred by that yeah let me let me put this on record now if they don't start Strider in a wild card round I am going to have the rant of the century on this podcast I mean they Strider has been since he came since he entered the rotation in basically the first of June. Strider's been like the second or third best pitcher in all of baseball, like not just the best pitcher on the Braves, the best pitcher and one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. I mean that's how good he is. There was an article today from Fangraphs like about the records that he's setting, like a rookie season like we've never seen before. I would be there are not words to describe how angry I would be if Strider doesn't. I mean. Like you said, you can make the argument he should pitch game one, never mind game two. 
but he absolutely needs to pitch one of the first two games. And if they don't do that, then I will. There will be strong, strong reactions. I don't think they'll do that. I, I think everybody understands that the best two pitchers on the team are, are Max and Strider. I hope everybody understands that. I, I hope that's clear to f- people listening out there. Like it's not even a, it's not even a close race. Like these are those are the two best pitchers on the team. So those are the two guys you want pitching against the Mets. Those are the two guys you want pitching in a wild card round. Everything should be done and set up so those two guys pitch when the games matter most. Now, once you get to the third, once you get to the third game in a wild card round, it's obviously a little different. But even a game like that, you're going to throw your bullpen. You're going to be extremely aggressive with your bullpen either way, right? So it doesn't really matter as much. But those first two games have to be Max and Strider. That's just me speculating. I don't. I don't. I think by seeing them manipulate the rotation now and giving themselves the opportunity to drop Strider into that Mets series, I think that tells you that they're thinking along with us. They they know, you know. So, um, you know, I think the one thing that could really work against them is if, you know, he is hurting a little bit more um, than, you know, if he would depend. Obviously, a, a lot of things can happen over the last two weeks. You know, you, you have to see where we how where they get there uh, and what it looks like at that point. But, yeah, um, I, I feel pretty – I feel reasonably well that it's going to be Strider out after Freed. But, um, you know – this is one of those postseason with lack of off days. You really need four starters, and you're going to need four starters. And I don't think you're going to see as much guys going on short rest as what we've seen in the past. The teams may surprise me, uh, but you know I, I feel better about the Braves' rotation going into this postseason. And I think I have probably since uh, maybe 2019. I know, guarantee 2020 was a it was a train wreck. I mean, if they were they were getting you know I know. You know, they had that good series against the Reds, but when you look at where that rotation started and where it ended up, I mean, Robbie Erlin was getting starts. And then even last year, you know, the bullpen games were, you know, they, they threw a bullpen game in the in the World Series. So, um, you know, I don't think – I think we're a little bit further away from the bullpen games uh, so much this, this postseason, barring an injury. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they slot these guys in. Yeah, and, we, you know, we probably haven't talked about this enough but if you just look at the numbers, I mean, this is probably the best rotation the Braves have had since I don't know the John Smoltz, Tim Hudson days. I have to go. I have to go back and look, but like I, I can't remember a time when the Braves have had three or four really strong starting pitchers that you re- you were comfortable enough starting a playoff game. And you know the Braves have kind of been built on offense the last few years with with Acuna and Freeman and. And company, so you know, I'm. I mean, you can make an argument. This is the strongest rotation the Braves have had since the Bobby Cox era. I mean, it's this rotation is is really really good. It's one of the reasons that the Braves are going to win probably a hundred games this year. Is you know, despite some of their bigger offensive guys having down years, is this rotation has just been ridiculously good. And so, and like you said, this is this is a postseason where the depth of your rotation probably matters a little more than it, it has before, just because. You don't have the off days that you use that you normally do. So, you know the Braves are in really good position to to make a deep run because they do have depth in their rotation and a strong bullpen, and 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 that's what you need to to win this time of year. So, as long as they can get past that first round, or or even better yet, not have to play that first round at all by winning the division, then the Braves are really set up well to make a deep run in October. Speaking of Strider, 
uh, it seems like I think for the last, at least the last three weeks we kind of alternated back and forth with uh, you know with who was leading this rookie of the year race. But you wrote a good you wrote a good article this week. You know I know online a lot of people and I've been guilty of this too. A lot of people's uh, given because Harris is an everyday player, position player. They give him a little bit of an edge over Strider. But I thought it was you know this week when he hit, when he hit 200 strikeouts, he broke Randy Johnson's record. He's the fastest pitcher ever. To 200 strikeouts you know he's the third uh rookie in franchise history to to get 200 strikeouts and the two guys he's he uh, you know he joined in that group through f- like 500 innings back in the 1880s i mean it's not even you know it's not even the same discussion uh, but you wrote a good article saying that you know the position player thing shouldn't be a you know a deciding factor and uh you know i mean i don't I told you before. I don't. I don't think there's a wrong vote here. Like if somebody told me they're voting for Strider instead of Harris, I couldn't. I couldn't be mad at them. And it, and it goes the same other way. I couldn't disagree with them because, you know, I just think this thing is that's close. I mean, the Braves wouldn't be where they're at right now without either of them. And uh, you know, you can make the case that Strider joining the rotation put them over the top. But you know, the same thing could be said for Harris, who, you know, even if you disregard. Um, you know his production at the plate. He just solidified an out. He turned an out one of the worst defensive outfields, you know, uh, into a, into a workable situation when he took over in center. Uh, so, you know, I, I wanted your I wanted to get a, you. If you haven't read it, you need to go to the site and and find Stephen's article on this. But uh, you know, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts. You can give a little bit of the Cliff's Notes version of that article here. But you know, if you had a rookie of the year vote, who would you vote for? Well. If I had a rookie of the year vote, first of all, I wouldn't touch it until the end of the season and just pray to God that one of these guys, you know, maybe slips up for a couple of weeks and it makes the decision a little easier. Because uh, right now, I don't know, I don't know how the hell you vote on one guy and not the other. If I had to vote right now, I would probably, I would probably call and see if I could just vote for both of them and see if you can just give it to both of them. But yeah, I wrote that article because I saw. I saw quite a bit, and it came. It was coming from broadcasters too, which is really one of the reasons I wrote the article. I just saw quite a bit of talk about how, you know, if you can't figure out which guy you want to vote for, then you should probably vote for Harris because he's a position player, and position players are more valuable than starting pitchers. And that is a myth that has been it. it it's been around for probably a hundred years at this point, and despite the fact that there's absolutely no evidence that that's true, it's still, it's still used today. And when I saw it being talked about on Twitter and I saw multiple broadcasters talking about it, I just felt the need to point out the fact that there is absolutely no evidence anywhere that position players are more valuable to a team over a season than starting pitchers. And, and that was really the crux of the article. And some people read the article and thought I was saying – I wouldn't vote for Michael Harris as Rookie of the Year, and that's not at all what I was saying. I actually, the very first sentence of the article, and I did this on purpose because I knew that would happen, I said, this is not an article that that is making the argument that Michael Harris shouldn't win the award. The article was Michael Harris shouldn't win the award because he's a position player. Like, there are very, very good arguments for why Michael Harris should win the award, and you just made a couple of them. Right, he came up and he fixed the defense. Maybe the worst, maybe the worst defensive outfield in baseball when he came up. 
and he immediately fixed it. I mean, he he turned it from a negative to a plus overnight. You know, that alone is a really strong argument for why he should win. Uh, you know, he's he's not only been elite defensively, but he's got like a 149 WRC plus since he joined the team. And only Austin Riley has a higher number than or a higher mark than than Harris does. So there are absolutely strong strong arguments to be made that Harris should win the reward. But and either guy can win it and it would make me mad. But what does make me mad is if people start making up arguments for why guys should win it cuz they don't you don't need to make up. There's plenty of strong arguments for both these guys. I mean, you can say the, all the same stuff about Strider, about, you know, the records he's breaking and the, you know, what he did to the rotation. The Braves had a black hole in the fifth spot of the rotation until Strider came in, and then he he basically turned it into a strength overnight, just like Harris did with the defense. And, you know, he's turned himself into probably the, you know, one. I mean, definitely the one of two best pitchers on the team. You could make the argument he's the best pitcher on the team, just how good he's been since he joined the rotation. So... You can make really strong arguments for these guys using stats and concepts that are real. You don't need to make up stuff to make an argument for one of these guys. And I just saw way too much of this idea that start that position players are more valuable than starting pitchers because they pitch or because they play every day and, and starters only play every five days. And you know, in the article, there's a whole list of reasons why that entire idea is a a myth and a complete misconception. You can go read it, but the the Cliff Notes version is that it's just not true. I mean, they've we've studied this a hundred times in the last twenty years. I mean, it's just not true. And so, I wanted to make sure people at least understood that, even though broadcasters were saying it and and arguing with each other about it, it's not true. Position players are not more valuable than starters. It's been proven over and over. So, you know, whoever you think should win. There are much better arguments to use for both guys than than stuff that's just made up. Before you uh, before you tell me who you're going to vote for, let, let me set the stage here for a little bit. I'm planning the last week of the season, probably wait till right after the Mets series. Um, but we're going to do a roundtable on the on the side, and everybody's going to have to vote for uh, Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and you can't split it. You you've got to you've got to vote for one guy or another. Now, the lucky thing is, since this is mine and your show, and we can do what we want to do, you and I get to t- say today who we would vote for, but we get to change our mind uh, because we've still obviously got two weeks before we have to vote. But if you had to give a vote today, uh, who would you go with? I would go with Spencer Strider if I had to vote today because he is – like Michael Harris is having an incredible year, like potentially MVP-level year if – if he had been up the whole season, right? He's having an incredible year. But Spencer Strider is having a record-breaking year, like stuff we have never seen from a rookie pitcher before. I mean, we're talking about Randy Johnson. You just mentioned it, Randy Johnson-level records that have been standing for a long time that he is breaking. I, I saw. I think I saw a note from Keith Law today that he's the only pitcher in the history or maybe the only rookie pitcher in the history of baseball to have 200 strikeouts and less than 100 hits allowed. I mean, that's just, like, stuff that we've never, ever seen before. And any other year, Harris would Harris would run away with this award. But he's going up against a guy that's literally doing stuff we've never seen before. And so if I had to vote today, 
I would vote for Strider. But like you said, there's still two weeks to go in the season, and you know Strider could have a couple of rough starts, and, and Harris could continue to look like an MVP candidate. And this race is so close, that might be the thing that that might be the things that win Harris the award. I, I think I think Michael Harris will win the award because there are unfortunately a lot of people that do think position players are more valuable than starting pitchers, despite starting pitchers being paid $40, $45 million a year. Uh, you would think people would understand that that's not true, but I do think I do think Harris will win. But if I had to vote today, I would vote for Spencer Strider. I would vote Strider today. Now, I think the two previous weeks, it probably would have been Harris. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, you and I have been talking ever since we started this podcast. It's funny how – you know, Spencer will come out and strike out 16 guys, and then, you know, Harris will do something amazing in between Spencer starting again. And even in that game the other day where he goes 200, you know, he broke the 200 uh, barrier and uh, hit that mark. Spencer, uh, Michael Harris nearly made catch of the year. And I, I, I told somebody in the box, it was like, you know, I'm like, if it, it's like, it's like hey, that was his way of saying, hey, don't forget about me. I mean, if he had hauled that in, that home run that uh, Alec Baum hit, it's the only hit Strider gave up. Uh, I don't even know how he got a glove on it. I still don't know. He was way over in right center, ran forever, and and jumped. You know, he did use his foot on the wall to get an extra boost. But, I mean, the fact that he even got a glove on that was amazing. But uh, I've read too much about Strider this week. I've researched too many of the records that he's setting. And, uh, you know, he would be my vote this week. But I reserve the right uh, to change my mind. Uh, when it's time for us to cast our votes, so uh, that's it's going to be it's going to be fun. And again, I, I don't think there's a right I, there's a wrong answer. I really don't. I mean, uh, both of these guys have have got as good a case as, as anybody we've ever seen. I think um, so. It'll be interesting to see how that comes out. Yeah, and I I wrote in the piece that this is the best rookie of the year race I've ever seen, not just on one team, but of on any team like you have two guys I mean I'm, it's not even hyperbole to say that if both of these guys had been in, in their in the roles they are in now starting on opening day then Michael Harris would be getting MVP votes and Spencer Strider would be getting Cy Young votes like they're not just playing well for rookies they're playing well at an elite level for anybody and I don't I just can't remember a time when we've ever seen that especially two guys on one team. So this is this is literally the best rookie of the year race I've ever seen. I do think there's a chance that something happens in these last two weeks that decides it. You know, if Spencer Strider goes out and throws eight innings, you know, 15 strikeouts and one hit against the Mets, and, and that ends up, you know, helping the Braves win the division and, and, and be able to get a bye, then, you know, you could see that basically winning Strider the award. Or if Michael Harris goes out in that Mets series and – you know, hits gets eight hits and, and three homers and, and dominates that Mets series and, and helps the Braves win the series and win the division, then same thing for him. Like, I, there's a real scenario where this gets decided in the next two weeks. All right, and as we've done the last couple of episodes, we are going to end tonight's show with a Twitter mailbag. You guys have been pretty amazing, actually, in, in sending in questions. Today I asked... I sent out the tweet literally like 30 seconds after the Braves just lost a heartbreaking game. So I wasn't really expecting much, but we still got some really good questions in. So, And as always, uh, Chris has not seen these. He does not know what the questions are going to be, so he kind of gets to hear them as you do. 
Um, our first question tonight is from Skyler Hyde. Skyler's been following me for a long time. He, he's a, a really good uh, really good follow on Twitter. But Skyler Hyde says, which group, which position group has surpassed your expectations this season the most? The lineup, the bullpen, or the rotation? That's a good question. And uh, let me do say, I did not see any of these because I logged off of Twitter as soon as that game was over today. That was smart. Um, that was very smart. Yeah. So I should have I done the same. I didn't want any part of it. But uh, – I think you got to. I think the answer's got to be the rotation, um, just because, you know, when you look at what we started with, uh, Kyle Wright was the question mark. You had Ian Anderson in there. You had Waskar Yanoa in there. Um, you know, obviously Anderson uh, ended up back at Gwinnett. Yanoa ended up back at Gwinnett. Uh, both are hurt now. Kyle Wright's won 19 games. I don't like pitcher win loss. Anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that. Uh, but when I, but let's say, fifteen year old me thought winning twenty games was the coolest thing ever, and you know, part of me will be pretty happy if I see Kyle Wright with twenty wins, uh, given how he's pitched. Because I don't think you can, I don't think you should point at wins to evaluate a pitcher. But Kyle Wright's got the other numbers uh, that that cement his season uh, in that in that vein. So I think it'll be pretty cool to see him win uh, if he can win the twenty. And then, um, uh, you know, Spencer Strider, obviously. Uh, Charlie Morton's not pitched quite as well as what we saw last year. But Max Freed's, you know, you know, Max Freed can have a couple of rough starts. And then, you know, you still go look at his numbers, and he's got a 2.5 two ERA and a, a FIP that's, that's pretty dang close to that. I mean, he's been amazing too. Uh, so I think for me it's the rotation. I, I agree with you. I think this is one of the strongest rotations they've had and probably the strongest since they've – you know, been on this run of uh, playoff appearances. Yeah, I agree. I, it's funny if you told me if you if you'd said at the beginning of the year that Ian Anderson was going to pitch so poorly that he got demoted to Gwinnett, and and Charlie Mort was going to have basically his worst year in a Braves uniform, and on top of that, that the Braves rotation would be one of the best in baseball. I don't I don't really think I would have been able to put those together, but that's kind of exactly what's happened, and it's because Strider, I mean. Pretty much the two guys you just mentioned, Strider and Wright, have emerged as really, really good starters. In Strider's case, probably an elite starter. So it's just changed the equation. But, yeah, I, I think it's – I agree with you. I think it's the rotation. I don't think it's close. Um, all right. So I got a bunch of these because I, I really did send this tweet like two minutes after the Braves lost. So I got a bunch of these. But it is kind of weird, so I'm going to ask you about it. Why can't the Braves win when the sun is out? Yeah, I've been I've been fighting back this narrative forever. Um, I don't have a good reason for it. Today, I think they did look a little like it was a long homestand. You know, I, I in fact I said that on the last road trip, and the problem was, you know, they looked they looked the same way in Seattle, and then the only problem was they had three games left in San Francisco, and they kind of played that way, that, you know, in those three games too. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's my my answer to this when I get asked this question is it's just baseball, you know, and I'm sure they're mindful of it, and that probably doesn't help them either, you know. Um, uh, it's probably something to think about when we we're talking about the postseason because inevitably some of these postseason games are going to end up in you know in the I don't know what classify I don't know if a four o'clock start classifies as a as a day game, you know, anymore or what or whatnot, but. Um, 
you know, I don't have a good answer for it. Uh, but it is it is funny that it, this has gone. This was it started. It seemed like it started early in the season, and it's been a narrative pretty much the whole whole way. I was looking this up because I knew I was going to ask you this question, so I looked up the stat. But do you know do you know how many losses the Braves have in night games this year? No, I don't. They have thirty losses. They played one hundred and one games, and they're seventy and or seventy one and thirty. So they have 30 losses in night games. Do you know how many losses they have in day games? I wanted to say they were 21 and 24, maybe 25 after today. I'm not sure. They have 26 losses okay. All right. in day games. They, they've played 48 day games and have 26 losses, 22 and 26. So they are – they have four less wins – or four – yeah, four less losses in day games and, and have played – 53 more night games so it is it is very very straight the Braves are four games under 500 in day games and 40 games over 500 in night games so I don't I agree with you that there's no reason why a team would be better at night versus day there's no logical reason why that should be it's it's almost certainly just randomness of baseball thing but like the numbers are stark when you look at the two so it has been I understand why people are asking the question because it has been extremely weird. Yeah, and it's it's not one of those situations too, like where on you know I can remember back in the nineties, like Bobby was Bobby Cox was famous, like on Sunday getaway day, you know he'd start his whole bench and and rest, you know he he'd he'd have three or four guys in there, you know, and and it's not really that situation. I mean, there's a lot of day games, you know, Darno's not playing because he's obviously not catching the day game after the night game. So there's not any one thing to put, you know, put your finger on. I don't know. I, I mean, I've been, I wish I've, you know, I've been asked about it multiple times and I don't have a good answer. And I usually, it's just amazing to me that it's still, we're still here. And, but I think it's actually, I feel like it's gotten better uh, because I feel like they were way, they weren't close to 500 early on. Uh, but I may be dreaming that. So that's just that's my gut. So I, I just think it's baseball randomness, and it's trying to work itself out. But they dug such an early hole that you know here we are. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's wild. All right. So for the last question, I'm actually going to combine two questions because they are very similar and at least kind of what they're asking. But one question is with this kind of season that Charlie Morton's having. One, do you expect the Braves to decline his option for next year, which I think most people do? But maybe more importantly than that, is do you see a scenario where the Braves would bring him back just on, you know, decline the option and then just sign him as a free agent to a smaller deal? And then that dovetails into the next question of how do you see the 2023 rotation playing out? I think it's an interesting uh, question with Morton, and I, I've been thinking about writing about this, but I don't really have a good feel for which direction it'll go. You know, part of me thinks, at least a little piece of me thinks, that if Morton wants to come back, that they'll pick up that option. Maybe I, I thought that was an interesting idea. I saw somebody else tweet that the other day, that maybe they decline the option and re-sign him at this point. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know with uh, I don't know where that situation will go. I, obviously, I think if you just looked at the numbers, you probably decline that option and uh, and try to go. The rotation as next year 
you know, I mean, you flash back to this past offseason, I think we all expected them to sign a starting pitcher. I mean, if you remember, went to spring training, they had Kyle Wright penciled in at number four, which looks really good now. But at the time, there was a lot of question marks with that. I know he's coming off a good performance in the World Series, uh, but, you know, his track record was spotty at best, and he was the guy going in the fourth spot. You know, so they really went to spring training looking for two pitchers. Oscar Noah started out as the guy didn't last, and you know it was open audition until you got to Spencer Strider. Really, really fortunate that Wright worked out. I think the thing for me is Bryce Elder shown uh, something, and and I keep looking at Kyle Muller. I want Muller's went the right route pretty much that they've left him Mike Gwinnett except for two spot starts. I wonder. What happens to him next year? Uh, if they don't have room for him, do they trade him away? Um, do they give him a shot? Uh, do they go out and sign a veteran, which obviously affects that? And you've got Ian Anderson, too. Uh, I'm not ready to write Ian Anderson off. So I'm going to say that they probably decline Charlie's option. I think they sign somebody, and then there's a there's a pretty good competition going to spring training. Uh, you know, amongst the guys. Obviously, you're going to have Freed. You're going to have Strider. You're going to have whoever they sign. And then, you know, it's just going to kind of be after that, it's going to be just seeing what happens. Um, I kind of wonder if Charlie even comes back. I, I think, you know, he might call it a career at this point, depending depending on what happens in the offseason. I think there's a very good chance Charlie retires. I think he – He's not having the year he wants, and he might just call it quits. I do think if he comes back, though, and this happened when he, the Braves signed him the first time. You know, he's very particular about who he plays with. He's not just going to go sign the highest contract, whoever, you know. I think I think when the Braves got him the first time, he told people he's either going to pitch for Tampa, he's going to pitch for Atlanta, or he's going to retire. I imagine that's probably the same. I, I, I imagine if the Braves don't offer him a contract of some sort, that he might just retire. But I can see the Braves – I don't. I think they're going to decline the option. I, I I can't see a scenario where they pay him twenty million dollars next year. But um, you know what they do after that, I could see pretty much all of the options after that. I could see happening. I could see him retire. I could see them bringing him back on a on a much smaller deal. You know the the interesting thing is this: when the Braves, you know, whenever the Braves season ends, going into next year, their rotation will be in a lot better spot this offseason than it was last offseason because like you said we didn't really know anything about what the Braves were going to do at the fourth and fifth spots last year and we still didn't know what Ian Anderson was and obviously that's come to fruition this year Charlie was 39 years old we didn't know we were going to get off with him and he was coming off a broken leg too I forgot to even mention that yeah so off a broken leg so you know the the rotation was a much much bigger question last offseason than it will be this offseason. So, and the Braves didn't add a starter last offseason, famously. So, you know, as much as we talk about who they're going to add, there, there's a scenario where they don't really add anybody, you know. Um, but it will be, you know, the, the, the decision on Charlie will kind of decide that. Obviously, everybody's going to talk about DeGrom and, and what he wants to do. And, you know, you and I have talked about this a few times, but I just I can't see a world where the Braves are going to pay somebody $45 million a year. But... I could be wrong. We could that could happen, but um, so yeah, we'll see. I I do like I said. I, I think the rotation is much in a much healthier place this time around than it was last year. So it's not going to be as big a deal as it was last all season. But yeah, that's the Twitter mailbag today. I appreciate everybody uh, throwing in their responses even after a tough day. And um, yeah, we appreciate it.
yeah, I think uh, I think that's going to wrap us up uh, for this week. Uh, we're still nailing down the uh, what's going the schedule's going to be once the postseason gets here, but we're going to have plenty of content uh, on the podcast. Uh, we'll have episodes nearly every day, if not every day. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who who's going to be what because I'm planning on being at most of these home games, but you know we'll have we'll have episodes uh, afterwards, and uh, you know if we can we can work in some pregame updates, we may do that too. So. You know, now's a good time to you know subscribe and and check us out. Um, uh, Stephen, you got anything else before we go? Nope, just we got a whole podcast network. We have the main show with Brad and Scott and Eric that, that runs on Sundays. We've got Road to Atlanta, which is our prospect show. Um, we've got obviously this show, and then Sean Coleman does the the Daily Hammer, which is kind of the bite sized stuff on a daily basis. So. And it's all free. You don't have to pay for any of it. So we have a bunch of shows. Subscribe to the network. Check out the site. And, uh, yeah, 